That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, this is going to be for the third Sunday in Easter, April 20th. We are recording this obviously well before that. We don't know what kind of world we're going to be living in when you listeners are listening to this, but... You know what? It's still going to have death. It's still going to have pain, suffering, sin, and the the problem of being human. And so whatever situation you find yourselves in, the passages for this Sunday are going to be able to speak to it, to you. Make sure you figure out how they speak to you first before you preach them so you can speak to your people. And Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. I really, um, I'm encouraged by this collect for... um, the third Sunday of Easter, and it's, a, you know, um, it reminds us that uh, Jesus opens the eyes of the disciples in the breaking of bread, um, which we're not doing right now. Uh, we're in exile in a profound level, and we'll be talking about exile a little bit from our readings today. But um, if we pray in this collect, open the eyes of our faith, uh, that we may behold him in all of his redeeming work. And uh, really, this is, um, this is the, uh, the work of the Christian right now is to see the world through the lens of Jesus and through the lens of uh, his cross and his resurrection and, uh, and uh, his glory so that we might see what God is doing in our midst as we uh, deliver the goods. Yep. Amen. Well, let's get on to those goods. So we are in this post-Easter season, this, East, this great 50 days of Easter, which as we said last week, uh, because of coronavirus and economic suffering and all this stuff, we are in this time that we are simultaneously remembering the, the the great light and new birth and new day of Easter, but also the darkness of the human condition. And Peter is speaking in a similar time to people who are living in the midst of great oppression and difficulty. Uh, and he's speaking after the resurrection to folks that have now had a major... They had These are the first people to have a... Well, no, not the first. The first come to Jesus moment was maybe Peter... Uh, uh, after the resurrection of the Lord. But this is the second come to Jesus moment for about 3,000 people. So what's going on here, Jake? And, well, as a, this is a continuation of last week's reading from Acts. So it is taking place on the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. The apostles, the 11, have been given the Holy Spirit, and uh, they are uh, preaching at uh, what's called the Feast of Shavuot in Judaism. It's a giant harvest festival. And uh, Peter, um, in our reading today, it opens up with Peter sharing his testimony. And his testimony wasn't, you know, I used to be like this, but now I'm like this. I used to deny Jesus, but now I'm like up here and I'm awesome. I used you know, to listen he's... to Michael Bolton, and yeah. now I only listen to Michael W. Smith. No, he delivers that the goods. That dates me, sorry. He delivers the goods and he says, let, (laughs) that's really funny. I just got it. And that's really, really funny. But uh, he says, let this entire house of Israel know with certainty, not, you know, 
like kind of we've got a rough idea, but let them know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, um, this Jesus whom you crucified. Um, so he cuts right to the heart, and that's our testimony too. Uh, this Lord, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him Lord and Messiah. And uh, he is the Lord and the Messiah who says, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. And uh, it's this very word that cuts uh, to the crowd. And they're like, well, God, what do we need to do? You know, this is the come to Jesus moment. Yeah. And, you know, what's awesome about this or powerful is the fact that um, they are having this self-understanding. They're looking in the mirror. That's what it means, this Jesus whom you crucified. Uh, this is not an anti-Semitic statement. This is just kind of a biblical and theological way of talking about the human condition, that we all crucify Christ. Um, we all reject God. We all spit in the eye of God. This is what Adam and Eve did and what every human being has done since then. And um, But this God is the one who nevertheless <laughs> comes, the one whom we crucify still dies and rises for us and is the Messiah. And so there's this, oh my God, what have I done kind of moment, uh, which described they were cut to the heart and say, what should we do? This is, this is what's really wonderful. And it's a great picture of ministry. Um, you want to wait till your people are asking the question. You don't just walk up to somebody and hit them over the head with the gospel. You want to wait till they are made ready. And they're made ready here because they've had a self-understanding and an understanding of God. And so they say, what do we do? And Peter says, repent, be baptized. And then you hear here that the, the central idea of what Christianity is for, it's for forgiveness, that your sins may be forgiven. This is the problem that uh, Jesus comes to deal with, the one that you can't deal with. And uh, uh, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is the response. Uh, this is what Christianity comes to do, to offer to people who reject God, who live for themselves. Um, God comes not to bring judgment, but to bring grace for all, mm. even those who are far away. And in some level, that's all of us. That's right. That's right. Well, then we move on to, um, uh, to our epistle from Peter. Yep, so continuing again, so we, we've again heard the second chunk of Peter's sermon in Acts 2, and now we uh, get another chunk of Peter's letter much later, right into these churches in Asia Minor, a.k.a. Turkey. Uh, these churches, most of which were started by St. Paul in the 50s A.D. Now Peter, uh, writing from Rome as a bishop, leader of the church, is writing to them uh, and uh, dealing, writing to them, and these again, these are churches that he may not necessarily know so well personally. He's probably visited a few, but these were Pauline churches. And um, these are folks that knew Priscilla and Aquila and knew Apollos and all these people that get mentioned in the book of Acts. Uh, so, but Peter is writing them as sort of a spiritual mentor and guide because the, one of their concerns is how do you live in ongoing suffering? And how do you live when Jesus hasn't come back and made everything right yet? So it's, it's a time that is very much relevant to the one we're living in right now. Yeah, and I think for the, for the, I think the church and uh, we as Christians are being reminded that we too have been living in exile. You know, in America, we've 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 had the stake, as you talked about last week, and um, but we are beginning to realize what it, that the stake actually was never there. Yeah. <laughs> or the stake couldn't satisfy us. Ultimately, and yeah. um, and we are and now we are like, oh, this is what what the world is. We are all as Christians uh, 
in exile because this ultimately isn't our home. Yeah. So, um, you know, we are uh, we are like Israel moving through uh, the Sinai right now in this age, uh, waiting to um, be led by our uh, greater Joshua into the promised land. And so you're very much right. This is the question that they were asking. And he says, you know, he reminds them of the uh, already because all of this is past tense. You have been ransomed. He's using this exilic language here. Uh, from the futile ways inherited by your ancestors. And what are the futile ways that were inherited by our ancestors? This is, we can make our way up to heaven. Mm-hmm. There's some way we can, uh, you know, with enough gold, with enough hearts, all God wants is your heart, you know, um, we will finally make God happy. And he's like, no, 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 no. You have been ransomed by something far more superior, and that's the precious blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he begins to kind of give that uh, that that sacrificial imagery, um, and uh, it's very very powerful. And uh, and to say that this this exile and this way of relating to God isn't a new idea, but actually this was uh, destined from before the foundations of the world. That's right. So, and a lot of people sometimes talk about Jesus like he was God's plan B, and uh, I think this is really important to say because. Uh, this verse here that Jesus was destined before the foundation of the world, that this is who he was, means that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is at the heart of the Trinity. And if you want to know who God is and how God relates to you, uh, it's not that God was mean and so we messed up and we weren't good enough and so he sent Jesus as like this escape hatch for us. That the core to the identity of the triune God is the one who dies and rises for sinful people, who loves the unlovable, who justifies the ungodly. This is that's these are all biblical terms to talk about. Basically, it is in God's very nature, His character, as the prayer book says, to always have mercy. Ah, uh, that's so so very very good and a great point. And the, the reason why you can trust God is because. So when you look at this like exilic language that that Peter is using here, uh, we trust God because God made promises in the scriptures, in the Old Testament. He made promises to his people and the death and resurrection and ascension and ultimately glorification of Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. And because he's fulfilled those promises made to the patriarchs. Uh, made to David, made to, you know, the prophets, because he's, we can trust him that he will come and rescue us as well. We can trust him that when we die, he'll raise us from the dead. Um, that's uh, Peter's point right there. Through him, you've come to trust in God. Why? Because he raised Jesus from the dead. That's right. And here we come at the end of this passage in verse 22. Ah, but what's that mean, Aaron? (laughs) I know. You've purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. Now, there are people that are going to think they're going to use this as a way to bring the law back in after having preached the gospel. Like Mm. we talked about the forgiveness of sins, uh, being ransomed, uh, the blood of Christ, all this. Uh, And then now now that you've been let into the Jesus party, don't screw it up because you'll get kicked out. Now you got to follow the rules. And they want to read this verse 22. Now, you have purified your souls by obedience to the truth. And Christians out there love to latch on to the word obedience. Say, you got, but you got to obey. You got to obey. And what, yeah, that's, the, that's what they sound like when they latch on. And what, what he says here is obedience to the truth, which means you have put your faith in the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the, the purification comes not from your own 
living like Ned Flanders, uh, the purification comes from the fact that Jesus has saved you and you have clung to him in faith. And uh, out of that then flow things, as we see here, like mutual love uh, and, you know, all these kinds of wonderful things about Christian The life. good things that come from the heart. That's right. So that's, it's not, it's not this like, um, it's not this outside activity that defines me, but it's from the inside, the converted heart, the cleansed heart as we pray every Sunday in the Collect of Purity. That's right. And uh, so, but that comes from the confession as Jesus. You remember the Pharisees, they asked Jesus, well, you know, what, what must we do to uh, be obedient to God? And he was like, believe in the one, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus says, believe in the one whom he sent. Yeah. Confess me as your Lord. Confess me as your Savior. Yeah. That's what I, that's, that's it. Yeah. There I mean, you go. The, the Merry Christmas. That's right. <laughs> the obedience to the truth. Happy birthday. Obedience to the truth means depending on someone else to save you, not yourself. Obedience to the yeah. truth means uh, not relying on your own obedience or righteousness in any way. But like Paul to say that, you know, these righteous things that you thought saved you were actually rubbish. And mm. that's what obedience to the truth means. Uh, and uh, if you if you think this just means obedience, like following the Jesus rules, I mean, or the God rules, the most obedient people ever were the Pharisees. Yeah. And, and Jesus was like, mm, you guys don't got it. But the and woman then, at the so, well but, or the or, you know, these are the people, the that blind got man. Yeah. Yeah. And and then he says and he reminds them what what this does. You've been born anew, not of in, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed uh, through that living and enduring word of God. You have been born anew because that word of God has become flesh, has dwelt among us and died for us and risen to save us. And uh, that is the only thing that can change a heart. And, um, and that is exactly what St. Peter is talking about. And uh, Jesus uh, doesn't want you to think that this was ever plan B. It's been plan A since the start. And that emerges in our gospel reading, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. That's a great segue. Yep, it is. You just chalk one up for Jake on the Segway scoreboard. Uh, Luke 24 is this famous passage, the, the road to Emmaus. This is a, a place, the passage, Luke is very specific. Luke's always into the details. Seven miles from Jerusalem. Uh, and there, I wonder, Jake, I wonder if in like English Bibles or German Bibles, does it say kilometers? I'd be curious. Anyways, no. if we have any international listeners, let us know what measure, what, what units they use. So they're walking to Emmaus. Two of disciples. One gets named Cleopas. Luke is apparently not able, not able to unearth the second one's name. But they're talking about everything that's happened since the resurrection. And these are still those early hazy days after the resurrection where people were sort of like, wait, what happened? Did it, is this real? And so they're talking about all this stuff. And Jesus shows up. And this is classic. He totally punks them. Uh, yeah. Say, can, yeah, go ahead. Can I just make a clarification? Some people are going to say that... Um, you know, uh, oh, they were walking west, and so the sun was in their eyes, and therefore they probably didn't recognize him. Nonsense. Um, nobody recognizes Jesus until they have the word preached to them, and we're going to yeah. get at that in just a second. But I just want to—I just want to uh, cut that off at the pass before any of you start thinking that they didn't recognize him because the sun was in their eyes. Yeah, um, I heard. Exact... I, I've heard a preacher say. I've had heard several preachers say that, and I just, you know, I'm like, come oh. on, seminaries, what are you teaching these people? 
Like the Painful. passage clearly says at the end, their eyes were opened. It, they were yeah. having dinner with the man, and it clearly was not sunset still because so, they walked like seven miles with him. Yeah. So, but they're walking, and they morons. don't. Morons! I'm surrounded and, by uh, morons. And Jesus, and Jesus kind of punks them. Yeah. He's like, so hey, man, what's going on, guys? You know, and uh, they're like, what, don't you know, like the chaos that's just been taking place here? And I love what he says here. He goes and he asks them, what things? <laughs> hmm. and I, I can imagine him sort of like with his hood around his face, like Luke Skywalker, <laughs> like at the, yeah. the recent Star Wars movies. You can't quite make him out. And he's like, got this big hood on. He's yeah. like, what things? <laughs> Chuckling. <laughs> that Jesus. What happened? Always playing then, games. This is how you know the sun wasn't in their eyes. They say the things about Jesus, who was a prophet. They only knew him as the prophet, not as a Messiah and a Lord, whom Peter goes on to confess him. You know, he was a big prophet. He was a big deal. But uh, our chief priests, they didn't like him and they crucified him. And uh, we hoped he was going to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. Meaning you know, be we the king. We thought he was going to save it. Yeah, absolutely. Start a militia, still take over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they say it's but, some ladies... Some ladies have seen you know, him. You know these ladies. Can't trust them. But some <laughs> ladies, you know, they claim that uh, they saw him. So uh, They were there early in the morning and the sun was in their eyes. Yeah, that's right. And they... <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, again, by the way, kind of, I love the proto-feminism of the New Testament, the way it always gives pride a place to the, to the women, even Absolutely. though the people around the day, around that time were like, mm, women, can't trust them. Go bring me a beer. You know, yeah, that was that first was apostles. A, that's right. So, right. First so, sent ones. So they, um, they, then Jesus kind of, uh, gets a little, you know, Jesus, the oh, you guys foolish, slow of heart. Um, and then as, as I've, Jake, I, I've always heard it more of a like, okay, now let me tell you what's up. Yeah. I've right. been talking like, you know, it's like, here we go. I'm going to bring some heat. Yeah. And so here Jesus is about to preach to them. And he does, uh, your and my uh, um, Old Testament professor in seminary, Dr. Erica Moore, uh, no finer Presbyterian has ever walked the earth. And Dr. Indeed. Moore uh, always said that this is, this is the only lesson in hermeneutics that Jesus preaches. And he, he teaches kind of how uh, New Testament interpreting the Old Testament um, and says basically all of it. It's about him, beginning with Moses and the prophets, uh, interpreted all the, all the things about himself in the scriptures. So this is why... Later on in the New Testament, Paul is going to quote the Psalms, and Paul is going to quote Habakkuk, and Paul mm -hmm. is going to quote everything, as you said, Jake, from Genesis to Malachi is all about mm -hmm. Jesus. I remember I was in an ecumenical dialogue one time, and uh, we were discussing this passage, and uh, there was a, a rabbi, and he said, well, don't you think that was awfully narcissistic of Jesus? And... Um, and it kind of like that, that comment caught me off guard a little bit. And I just looked and I said, well, he is God. And so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is. As, so we re respect the Hebrew scriptures and, uh, totally. and understand that we are going to interpret them differently than our Jewish brothers and sisters. But as Christians who receive these texts about Jesus Christ, you know, it is our understanding that there and is something going on here about Jesus in the Old Testament. And let me tell you, uh, one, the richest ecumenical dialogue that takes place is not when we're all saying we're basically the same. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what secularism wants to do. And, um, and uh, to basically boil us all down to the lowest common denominator. Um, the richest ecumenical dialogue I've ever been a part of um, is when we can hear each other in our nose. 
yeah. uh, those things that we actually uh, don't land the plane on. And uh, one of them is uh, with in Jewish dialogue is hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that the, the scriptures do indeed point towards Jesus. And um, and uh, and so but I mean, I've had great conversations about that and it's been great learning. And actually, as I've been able to learn about Judaism and learn about other religions, um, we've actually been able to and, and hear them even in their nose about Christianity. We've yeah. been able to work uh, stronger and have a deeper partnerships on the things that we do have in common, which is the law, loving your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, you know, and uh, that is a, that's a really good thing. So, but I wanna say as Christians, we interpret, and I, you wanna say it too, Aaron, I can see. Uh, <laughs> but I do. We, we interpret the Old Testament through Jesus. We don't believe he was plan B. He's plan A from the beginning. Yep, and speaking the word of God throughout the Hebrew scriptures. So anyways, uh, that's something that if you guys want to have a longer conversation about, email Jake. The but the uh, the thing here that happens at the end is they get to the village, they have a meal, and then bread is broken. And when the bread is broken, uh, their eyes are opened. And yeah, communion. Is, yeah. So this is this is uh, supposed to be pointing towards Holy Communion, kind of the Eucharist. Um, and then he and Jesus disappears. He David Copperfield's on them, and uh, I could and, just picture that he's like, "Do this in remembrance of me." Bam! And they're like, "They're like, oh my God!" The bread like drops on the plate or something. <laughs> <laughs> the Smoke, bread falls. Yeah, a pigeon shoots uh, out the. Right. But anyway, but that's right. Uh, but they're like, they're like, oh damn! That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, and they say, you know, that great phrase, "Our heart, we're not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road. Luke has mm. just got such a great way of writing here. He's the most literary of the gospel writers and just has these great turns of phrase. And the whole dramatic tension and irony he sets up in this passage is fantastic. Yeah, I, I do want to say, because, you know, Mormons and stuff like that, and a lot of people talk about, like, the feeling and nobody can argue with my feelings and stuff like that. The burning of the heart is while he was opening the scriptures to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he was, there wasn't something that was mustered up on their own. You know what I mean? This was mustered as a result of the Holy Spirit working through Jesus, preaching the word to these men. Uh, that's what happened. You know what I mean? So I do want to say this was an indigestion and this is so much more than just a feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is, this is the burning, the conviction of truth Mm-hmm. Truth has been in their midst, and now they understand what truth is all about. Now, and Jake, when was the last time in the middle of the night you got up and suddenly had to walk seven miles? Ooh, I think it may have happened uh, last night, but I just laid in bed <laughs> instead. So, but, uh, so this is what happens with these disciples. They are so excited uh, and have had their minds just blown wide open that the first thing they want to do is turn around and head back to Jerusalem, walk yep. another seven miles uh, because they want to tell the 11 disciples uh, and the companions that are with them what has happened. The, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the best, world, best news the world has ever known. And when you realize it is the real deal and it's true, you want to tell everybody. Um, and, and the disciples have gotten it too. They say, because they've now seen Jesus and they say the Lord has risen. And, and so Jesus is now, confer- and this is so gracious. This is so beautiful oh, of Jesus. Because again, the disciples never believed him that he was going to rise from the dead when he was with them in his earthly ministry. They never believed it. 
At the crucifixion, they all deserted him and fled. Peter denied him. They all ran away. And even after that, they were still scared and didn't really believe it. And Jesus just goes around. You know, he could, he could have been so uh, ticked at this point. Like, ah, oh, you guys, finally, I'm going to... And, you know, they still will not totally get it. In the book of Acts, it opens up right before Jesus ascends into heaven. And the disciples are still like, is it now? Now or this is the time when you're going to take over and be president of Israel and, uh, you know, kick out the Romans? So, uh, Jesus is so gracious. He spends all this time showing up with people and so they will know that he rose from the dead. Um, and this is not because they were in the Holy club because they were perfect disciples because they'd earned it because they had enough faith. They didn't have faith. These disciples, as they're walking along the road, no faith. They're like, this stuff happened. It was weird. We don't know what's going on. Um, and yet Jesus graciously shows up to them, which he'll do for your congregation. So I think there's a message here in time of coronavirus when we don't see Jesus or don't understand how he's working, he actually might be right next to us the whole time um, yeah. and working to redeem and save us. And, um, and and he, yeah. So I think that's where I would go with this passage. Jake, anything else you want to add to this? No, I think you've uh, basically said it all, Aaron. And um, I think that uh, that's a great place to end for today. Okay. Well, God bless you all as you continue to preach in this strange time. May God be with you and speak through you. And remember, preach as if your life and theirs depends on it, because it does. Amen. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll. <laughs>